Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you? Oh, I am great. It is Christmas Eve Eve. And are we releasing this on Christmas Eve? Uh, you let me know because you're the technological mastermind and it is, it, it, it is the night before the morning that we would normally do it. So it is, it is completely up to you, my friend, and I'm happy to summarize the podcast for our listeners in, in, in the various platforms Ooh. that we are uh, featured on. Well, uh, so if we make it, then happy Christmas <laughs> Eve, and if we don't make it, happy New Year's Eve. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> the, the, the anticipation. The anticipation. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're all doing Christmas from home, being safe, all of that sort of stuff. Yep. Nine months into you know the year of hell. <sighs> yeah. It, you know. In. As much as I don't want to jump right into it, because I really enjoy our, you know, pre-banter, but, like, that really brings up a good point, that this year has kind of felt like purgatory, Mm -hmm. um, and just living through, I mean, it's not hell, it's just a lot of, like, waiting. Yeah, a lot of waiting, and... Um, to remind our listeners, Dear Final Girl is uh, an advice and horror podcast mm. that discusses life and other scary movies. Um, and so our primary format is we receive your letters. We choose a movie based on the, we choose, you know, generally a horror film based on um, the themes in the letter. And then we just go to town. Yeah. We just talk and armchair philosophy and armchair psychology and just um yeah you get a whole lot of us talking for about an hour so yeah um, my our, our chairs have many arms many many arms. yeah they're like stacked up like yeah, a, they kind of fold out like it's kind of like a mission control deal <laughs> <laughs> or like one of those statues in beetlejuice that wrap up <laughs> Catherine o'hara and like oh um so get ready for that that's fun um cool so but i think you really kind of uh hit it that this nine month long pandemic has kind of felt like uh just waiting around in purgatory um so i'm just gonna jump right in with our letter because that really um feels pertinent tonight um ready Yep, I'm ready. Okay. Everybody, everybody out there ready? Okay, I'm hearing the chorus of Oh, yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wendy, oh, God, it's going to be a long time before we hear crowds like that again. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or feel safe, too. Okay. So, uh, but we have a letter this week. Um So here we go. Dear final girl, I'm feeling stuck. There have been so many changes for the better and so many reasons to hope for good things to come. 
2020 is almost over. There's a vaccine. Um, at the same time, I can't help, in, help having this feeling that nothing at all has changed. We're still months away from anything being different and who knows if things will go back to normal. How do I deal with these feelings or even get rid of them? Signed, Purgatory in Arkansas. That is a very timely letter. Yeah. Um, we did do a, 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 you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, which I'm sure we all thought was going to be over by now, <laughs> uh, we did a we did a invasion of the body snatchers. Um, but this is this is, you know, maybe not so much about the virus itself. I'm sure we'll go there. But yeah. just more about what what is it like to be living in these times um, of change and not change and kind of questioning who we are and what are what how have our roles changed? What's our new place in all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what movie did we pick, Tamara? Oh my gosh! So. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, we had, uh, we talked with, well, we didn't talk with, Van shared his origin story in which he talked about, um, Cronenberg, right? So, uh, he talked about, uh, specifically The Fly, 1986, The Fly, and, um, I don't know if it was subliminal that we had already kind of been thinking on along that road. Um, oh no, you reached out to someone, correct? Um, I think we, uh, you know, we often consult our informal advisory panel. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think we might I think we might have come up with this one on our own actually. Okay, um, and the uh, movie that we chose was Possessor. It is the 2020 Cronenberg film. Um, the younger Cronenberg, his son Brandon. Oh, I didn't realize. Yes, yes. Is the yeah, older Br- Cronenberg with us still? The elder Cronenberg is still with us. I cannot recall, I, and I, I did actually do some research this time. Ooh, um, go on. I don't, I don't know what the elder Cronenberg's last film was Brandon Cronenberg has done a number of shorts. Mm. Um, I looked them up on IMDb. Um, There was a film he did maybe six or seven years ago. And of course now I can't find that in my notes. Um, But I think it was, you know, I think he's very squarely in this sort of sci-fi um, body horror, mm-hmm. um, you know, realm, which that term is, is, is always used to describe David Cronenberg. And I almost hesitated to use it because everybody uses it, but it's, it, it applies. Um, and it applies in this film, like from the very first scene. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and I think what, uh, was interesting for me is that last week, uh, we talked with Van and you said, um, or he said that, um, David Cronenberg refuses to include the supernatural. Right. Because he is an atheist. And so there's never going to be any, 
what's that term? Deus ex machina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of ghost in the machine. There's not going to be this inexplicable outside force. Although you get into sci-fi and there's a, there's a fantasy element to it because it's future, imagined future state, but there's not a sort right. of a God, a God involved. And I mean, if there is a God or any sort of supernatural, it's the, uh, it's technology. Yeah. And I don't know what Brandon Cronenberg's like, if he holds the same views, if he's, you know, doesn't want to include, you know, a supernatural in his films. Um, but you know, it was not present in, in Possessor. Right. Um, so, uh, Possessor. Yeah, so relating it to relating it to the letter, maybe we talk about you know this idea of of things changing but not changing being really that it's that keyword is purgatory. Yeah. Um, and um, do you want to you want to start off or do you want me to? Um. I think, well, maybe we just do a short overview of the movie uh, that the, the premise is that a company is able to insert someone's mind, basically, into another person's mind um, and control that second person's bodies and actions um, and... Um, oh, sorry, the, uh, the name of the company is Tremation, um, which I think has to do with like trampanning, like the, when you drill a hole in your skull to release pressure. Have you, oh, wow. Uh, that just occurred to me. That wasn't like, oh, I got it right away. Um, but the, the idea is that basically, um, someone who works from for this company can possess somebody else's body and they use it obviously because it's capitalism for nefarious purposes um the first one was to like kill some guy who looked like a smarmy the our first introduction uh the he was she was hired to um kill some smarmy guy at some event. And then uh, what we find out later is the second job, um, somebody's going to, uh, the stepbrother of uh, a big company owner. um, Stepson, yeah, stepson. Yes, stepson, correct. Um, Wants to inherit the company, he's hired this company to destroy his sister and her boyfriend and the company Tremation is like, yeah, we'll do it because, you know, the company will go into this guy's hands and then we'll also be able to hold this over the stepson's head. So they're buying like, they're like, yeah, sure, great. Let's do this. We have the ability to do this thing, and then we also have the ability to blackmail you because you've entered into this contract with us. So yeah, 
Yeah, and the per the, so the purpose of the infiltration is it primarily assassination. Yeah. Um, it is, and and the the assassin um, in question is Tasia Voss. Mm-hmm. That's the character's name, played by um, Andrea Reesborough, who the whole time I'm like, why does she look familiar? Why does she look familiar? She had the title role in the movie Mandy. Um, which, which maybe, which people either I think loved or hated it. I loved it. It was, it was an original Shutter movie. It had Nicolas Cage. Gotcha. Really good. Really. I mean, in my, in my opinion, I'm on the side of those who loved it. Right. Um, and then, um, Gerder, who is the, I heard her described as kind of like a middle manager, with this company that basically, you know, carries out these assassinations was played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, it starts off with an assassination. So we're kind of introduced to what this woman does, how they carry out what they need to do. And then it shifts to this other, to this other character who occupies the bulk of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Colin Tate. And he's the second person that we see who is possessed, right? Um, you know, to carry out the company's company's will. Uh, while we're on the um, actors who play these characters, um, the guy who plays Colin Tate, his name is Christopher Abbott. But the whole time, all I could think of was fake John Snow. Um, (laughs) like he looks so much like, uh, I can't even remember the, the actor's name, Jon Snow. Right. And then, uh, Ava Parse, who is the woman who's supposed to inherit the whole company, right. And all the money. Um, oh, Oh. And she's his wife. She's his wife. Yeah. Or fiance. Right. Fiance. Um, fiance. Colin is a cocaine dealer. Ava is the fiance daughter. Um, she's played by Tuppence Middleton. And I was like, why does that sound familiar? Because she played the Icelandic woman in Sensate which okay. was a Netflix show about people who are like connected through their minds, basically. Well, interesting. <laughs> it, it is a very interesting show. Um, pretty sexy too. Um, and then Ava's father, John oh. Pars, is played by Sean Bean of uh, most Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> Game of Thrones. So he's not. Uh, not fake Jon Snow. He's like real Game of Thrones guy. Oh, what is his name in the show? Uh, and I don't know. Whatever. Not important. And Sean Bean, Sean Bean has been around for a long time. He was a Bond villain in one yeah. of the mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan installments. Was that um, Goldeneye? It may have been Goldeneye. It may have been Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, we talked before we started recording about do we just do we jump right into the fact that we found this film? We both found this film frustrating. Uh, Yeah. Well, Um, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Maybe part of my frustration was that everyone has has spoken so highly of this movie 
that I I was wanting that same experience. Now I'm mm-hmm. not saying I don't think it was well made, well acted, well constructed film with an interesting story, but somehow I just was kind of left a little unsatisfied. And I really hate to say this, and I, I don't even know if I want to get into the examples, but it just, it as a whole and in certain parts, it reminded me of a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The Matrix, um, Blade yeah. Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I noted some others. Um, there was some of the cinematography that reminded me a lot of American Horror Story, the like, maybe just like the intro to American Horror Story, but like the, the flashing splits between the different characters and, um, which is supposed to be, um, emotionally affecting because you can't quite understand what you see and you're just getting kind of like flashes of weird things um but yeah i i yes there are (laughs) if we were to be snooty about it which maybe we want to be um there were things about it that were derivative (laughs) yeah and what you said about like the with the effects contributing to like kind of trying to understand what you're seeing i think that that definitely ties into the you know, the purgatory theme of the letter Mm -hmm. and just, you know, everything that, everything that 2020 has gifted us with, you know? Yeah. Um, Because especially toward the end of the film, there, there's, um, there's, the term they use in the film is called bleeding, like bleeding through. Right. And that's when the, the assassin doesn't have complete control of the host. Right. And that is what happens in this film. And so as it moves on, you know, um, there's just a lot of blurring, like who is in control, which one of these, which one of these people is going to ultimately be in control. Um, and, um, you know, that was, it, it was very interesting as, as that went on, you know, to see that storyline progress. Yeah, and I think that in a lot of ways, we were supposed to feel frustrated by this movie. We were supposed yeah. to feel Tazia, Tazia, uh, Voss. We were supposed to feel Voss's, um, how uncomfortable she is within Colin's body, how much she wants to be out of this whole thing, how much... Um, how scared she is that he's breaking through and maybe maybe for me i i felt like we just didn't get a break um i i guess if you compare it to some of the other movies that we've watched recently um like saw saw will give you a little bit of a break either by just switching up the location or the this it was like a sustained tension for all a hundred uh one hour and 43 minutes and i mean maybe that was on purpose maybe that's uh, i mean i think that 
one of the reasons that this movie is so good for this letter is because it doesn't let up. And right. and then at the end, um, when... Uh, do we care about spoilers? I always ask you this, but I guess we don't. Nah. Um, nah. At the end, uh, Voss's boss what's her uh, jennifer jason lee's character um she is girder girder oh yeah like the strengthener yes right um but she swoops in and takes possession uh oh gosh this is this is where it gets weird right because colin sees voss's memories goes to voss's ex-husband or husband's house where her kid is and he tries to kill her husband and eventually succeeds in killing her husband right yeah to get information about tasia you know to try to end this purgatory that he's in right um and then tasia un- ultimately prevails because her boss possessed her son's body and went in and killed Colin slash boss. And then they um, both got pulled out of their possessed bodies at the same time. So as they're dying, and part of it is that Tasia, when she's in the body, when she's possessed someone, she cannot fight off the the soul of the one she's possessed long enough to kill that person. So I guess that's the that's the whole problem that like at the very end Voss gives up enough control that uh, to save the host. Right. And you know, one of one of the things that Whenever Voss goes into a host, you know, she gets, she gets the story. And very early on when um, we've moved to the plot to possess Colin, um, she asks, okay, what's the narrative? You know, she asks uh-huh. her, what's the narrative? And, you know, I, I really keyed in on that because whether a lot of change is going on or not a lot of change um, and how we grapple with our, our, our own perceptions, we, we are constantly subjected to and creating narratives about ourselves, about other people. Um, and then she's got an, an anchoring device that they use with boss so that when she comes back out of a host, Oh yeah. She can like repossess herself for like, for like you know you know kind of come back into herself. Is there are all these objects from her from her family like her grandfather's pipe, and part of her deprogramming is like this is my grandfather's pipe. Mm-hmm. This is the memory associated with it, and you know it's I just found that whole aspect of of narrative and then how it relates to the letter and how we navigate change and, and, and 
or feeling stuck in all of our stories about it. You mean the stories that we tell ourselves to that either keep continue to keep us stuck or that allow us to get out of that unstuckness? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that what's really interesting here is that Voss, the reason that she is losing her ability to be good at her job is because she is tapping into that very basic human need to want to survive. Like, uh, below, like, not even human, like, animal need to survive. And so once she starts feeling that, then the host can take over and she can't pull the trigger. She can't, uh, she can't end the host. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's really, um, really important, especially in our current times is that like maybe remembering that people making bad decisions aren't necessarily because they want to be assholes right? They, they're, they're dealing with some sort of human need that's not being fulfilled, whether it's socializing or, um, needing to displace their anger at the system or whatever. And so, you know, all of this, uh, all of the issues, uh, I mean, have we been political enough to say like wear a freaking mask? Um, all of the all of the anti-maskers. I think that it's not necessarily like they want to be assholes, but they like are afraid of something, and so they um, that's a way of acting out towards it, and a way of dealing with these feelings and emotions that come up because you're feeling stuck. Um, right. And whether you like, if, you know, if we, if we speak about masks, which there's a very interesting way in which identity is represented by a rather grotesque mask, <laughs> um, toward the end of this, which explained the movie poster, you know, it was sort of like this gnarled and distorted, um, because it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's like Colin, and whether this, you know, there's so much toward the end that to me is like, is this really happening or is this right. delusion? Is this fantasy? But it's like he's he peels off. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Yeah, peels off um, um, Tasia's um, face, like from within. You know, right. he peels off her face and then wears it wears it as a mask and like occupies her life but this mask is very distorted and grotesque and but that with it with the masks it's um in our world you know there's fear on all sides of this it's you know people who people who are against masks accuse people who wear them as being well you're you know like oh, you're living in fear um, but people who don't want to wear masks fear being told what to do by the government. So it, it's, it's all, it's all about fear. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the the fear, uh, and of course, when you watch it in a movie, it's like fear of somebody killing you or taking over your life or whatever. And like, I think that that's why you know we talk about this over and over again in the origin stories that that's why these movies feel good to us and I wonder if this one didn't feel good to us right now because we're so close to it like this the sustained uh and you know that makes me feel like uh Brandon Cronenberg like did they make this in 2020 they couldn't have made it in 2020 they released it released in 2020 and he had done a short film he had done another short before this one like a number of years ago um Mm. and it was called please speak continuously and describe your experiences as they come to you and the synopsis sounds a lot like this film and i think i think i read that even sean bean was in it but it was a (laughs) it was the short right so um, and, you know, just this whole, you know, with, with COVID, like we're watching with COVID, with the election, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're watching our systems, healthcare, government, mm-hmm. you know, just basic human connectedness, you know, crumble, <laughs> before our eyes i mean one could argue that they weren't in that great a shape anyway (laughs) um but you know all of these systems that even people who are who don't support you know quote unquote big government we rely on these things more than i think most of us are willing to admit even as we see them as dysfunctional yeah and, you know, the beginning of this, this movie starts with someone literally being plugged into, you know, the system. Uh-huh. We see the first host. She's, there's a close-up shot of her plugging this thing right into the top of her skull. All right. Um, and I guess, I guess she's getting her download, right? And um, soon after she, you know, she... She goes after and assassinates the target. You know, um, um, Tasia is is occupying her at this point, and then, like you you know mentioned, like she gets she gets pulled out when the job is done. But you know, just we're plugged in, and we try not to be. Right, and you know, I thought of, like Tasia's character is really interesting too because she's you know she's working for the man. She's working. She knows that like uh, girder is very clear about okay we get this calling guy to murder his girlfriend or his fiance and and the ceo of the company and then they're basically in our pocket and so she knows that and like as an assassin working a capitalist assassin basically like she knows that what she's doing is not right. Um, but she is good at what she does and Gerder talks her up so much that she's able to 
like lose herself in the job because she's like, well, I'm doing this thing that I'm good at. Not that is doing good, but just that I am good at. And I think that like what's frustrating about it is you know or maybe maybe what was frustrating for me is that I felt like she was a good person doing a bad job and she should have at some point had that redemption where she came out of it and she was like no I'm not going to do this I'm not going to kill these people and like rebelling against the system. This is not that story. She no. doesn't rebel against the system. She just, she waits for Gerder to save her. Um, and she's not taking action to save herself. Actually, she is taking inaction in the hope that it will maybe kill her. I think. I, well, okay. Um and there's a lot of like just kind of there, there were a, a, a few quotes that really stood out and I, I haven't recorded all which characters necessarily said these things mm -hmm. one was, sometimes that's all it takes a small thought a tiny fracture to lose control mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I think that links up very much to narrative you know, how much of it is our is our responsibility when we find ourselves in purgatory or even hell or feeling like, I mean, even when there is a lot that's, even when there's, even when there's so much that's beyond our control, the one thing that we have some kind of control over is our, is our own minds, mm -hmm. you know, and or we think we do. Or we think we do, <laughs> and people definitely don't, you know, mm -hmm. in in this film. And then, you know, another quote was like, "One day you get a worm in your head," um, <gasps> and it, yeah. Colin it says this. Yes, you want to say it? Did you write it down? You want to give this one? So he's talking to Voss's husband. He's come to their house, and there's a cat and a cat litter box. And he says, don't you ever think of the parasites with the cats? Uh, and don't you ever worry about whether, uh, okay, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, is that your wife or is it the parasite? Are you married to her or to the worm? Um, what has she done to you? You're the one in control. Like, that was really interesting to me. Um, you know, are you married to her or to the worm? Gosh, when you think about that in terms of like long-term, long-term relationships, mm -hmm. and, you know, when people become, become distant from one another, um, and wonder, you know, like, who is this that I'm that I'm married to? <laughs> this this isn't quote unquote you know the same person, right? Uh, that I that I married or that I fell in love with, and I mean in this case in particular because uh, Tati is um, whether it's her ex husband or you know long term partner, 
you know, he has no idea of this other life that she that she leads. I mean, he, he has no idea. Right. He um, thinks she's traveling for work, which she right. is, but... <laughs> Yeah, she's traveling all right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, um, you know, if you want to get back to the letter, the um, Purgatory in Arkansas asks, how do I deal these feelings or even get rid of them? And I think it's really important to remind um remind everyone that your feelings aren't real like your feelings are your feelings right but they but the things that you feel aren't necessarily reality so you you may be feeling fear in your body because there's something happening but it's not like you know when you're watching a scary movie you feel fear but not because you're in actual danger, but because of what you've pulled in with your senses and what you're allowing your body to feel. Um, and like by trying to push those feelings down and saying, well, I don't, this isn't right. I, I can't feel this way. Um, that isn't as helpful as we often think it is like, feeling feeling fear or feeling anger or feeling like um things are bad like if you push it away it's going to come out in some weird way if you don't process that emotion it's going to come out in some weird way whether it's in your relationships or at work or just you know how how you act towards people at the grocery store um those so, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, if you're trying to get rid of the feeling of hopelessness, maybe, maybe stop trying to get rid of it and trying to examine and start trying to examine whether it's real. Are things really hopeless for you? Yeah, challenging, <clears throat> challenging your own perceptions. And I would like, I build off of what you said. Um, feelings are very real when you feel them. Yes. And, but they can often be separated Um they're not about, they're not about the current circumstance. Like often, often they can, they are not actually about the current circumstance. Mm -hmm. They've been dredged up because they're linked to memories and experiences that look a certain way. And then in a present situation, you recall you know, there's like a link established between the two, like right. this old stuff. The trigger. Yeah, the trigger. I was avoiding like how right. saying trigger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and I I went through this like a group experience recently where it's kind of it was like an energetic energies it's called family constellation and in it 
um, you bring forward, a facilitator helps bring forward the spirit, spirits of your ancestors, you know, uh-huh. immediate parents, grandparents, great grandparents. If you're the person who's having the constellation done, you know, you present something that you want to work on or that's bothering you. And, um, I'll never forget what somebody said. It it was like, there was a discussion around anxiety Uh and the person representing anxiety was saying basically like, I, I don't, I don't care what shape I occupied. I, I don't care what you know, I, I don't care what the cause is. I don't, I don't care, you know, what form I take. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just here. <laughs> right. you know, I'm just here. And I thought a lot about that because I'm like, Oh God, you know, that's a really good thing to keep in mind. You know, um, it, it doesn't care. Those feelings don't care. They can assume any shape. They can attach themselves to anything. And that's the part I think that's the not real part, you know, they, that they don't have to be any stronger than certain other realities of your situation. Yeah. Yeah. And that, what did I hear the other day about anxiety? Like, oh, it was about like feeling fear of change and when you are afraid of change um and or you you try something new and you aren't good at it right away and your body's like well I hate this you know everything in you is like this is awful I want to quit I hate this and it's because your body is designed to have that sort of rejection reaction to anything that's new and different. Like that's not because you're bad at it necessarily, you're just new at it. Um, But your body is supposed to have this reaction to protect you. And if you go along with that, you're never going to try anything new. You're never going to get into any new place. Um, And you have to actively work against that feeling to get better at something. Um, And I think that that's pretty similar in this state that we're in right now. Because we want change so bad and we want it to be here now. And we want things to be different or back to normal, but it's because the, our world has changed. And I don't know that it's going back to what it was in last January or February. And so a lot of us are having a really hard time uh, dealing with that and understanding like because the future is uncertain we're just like fear and rejection and like uh just overwhelm there's a lot there's a lot of feelings going on (laughs) and everybody's having them (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and it is incredibly hard to to change something in your life especially when 
um, if things aren't particularly broken, you know, if you're not in a desperate situation, you uh -huh. just want to go from one level to a different, a different place. You want to be more challenged. You want to take some risks. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, talk about being plugged into a system. <laughs> I think we are so... We are so attached to our established routines. Mm -hmm. um, I remember you and I talking, gosh, it's probably been a couple of years ago. And I can't remember if, you know, this, they, this these were in the olden times when we went into an office. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still not back. Um, Me neither. Uh -uh. You had forgotten your laptop. Or I had forgotten my laptop, and, you know, you got like, oh, God, you know, you get to work, you fought the traffic, uh -huh. you get to work, and you realize, crap, I left my laptop at home. Uh-huh. I would and, say that, but not crap. I would have Yeah, seen. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you saying, like, you know, there was a time where that would have just basically thrown off my whole day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you, you are very self-aware. You do a lot of things for self-care and just, so it did not have the same power to throw you off. But that all, all that is, is like a disruption of routine and an expectation that the day will begin a certain way. Mm -hmm. This is how it will proceed. You will go into work. You will sit down. You will plug the laptop in and you will get started and you will, you know, to tackle, you know, more work than what you can possibly do, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, um, losing your identity and your work so that you uh, don't have to deal with your own feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it's just... Um, you know, I think that that's a really good point because I actually had that feeling the other day because, God... Frances woke up at 4.30 in the morning. I kind of heard her crying. And then the smoke alarm battery died. And you know the smoke alarm battery never dies at like 11 o'clock in the morning. It's always 4.30 in the morning. And so I get up and ours are hardwired into our house. So oh, I was no. like, what the, why, why? But I bet you nobody's changed this battery in five years. And so I, of course, can't reach the ceiling because I'm a shorty. And so I had to climb up on something. And then I took the thing out of the ceiling and realized that it was hardwired. And I just like basically said, fuck it and went back to bed. And Max rolled over and he goes, Hey, hey, Tamara. I was like, what? He said, ah. beep. <laughs> nearly decked him. <laughs> nearly decked him. But he got up and he took the battery out. And, you know, we could last two hours without that backup smoke alarm battery. But um, I ended up not being able to go back to sleep. And uh, then just kind of laying in bed and reading and like it threw off my whole day and things got behind and whatever. And I had to stop myself when I got up to make breakfast because I was already like, 
everything's awful and things are going so horribly and you know this day is awful and I hate everything and I had to stop myself while I was making breakfast and be like it's not awful there have been like two things that didn't go right this morning but that's not going to ruin your day like yeah it's kind of like when someone you know if somebody asks you oh how was your day or if you think to yourself like oh god this day sucked and then i'll stop myself and go okay did number one did the entire day suck like literally <laughs> did every moment of this day suck the answer is is always no <laughs> i mean right. almost always no and then it's like, okay, what were the parts of it that sucked? And then you, and then, well, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. And, and then, that's gratitude. Know, Yay. Yay. <laughs> wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I was. Uh, yeah, you're practicing gratitude. Look at you. Look at me. I'm not getting a gratitude journal, though, because if I have one more notebook to write in, I'm going to explode. <laughs> they're, all, they're all stacked on my desk. I'm like, no more notebooks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I have three, four in front of me right now, all for different purposes. But um, yeah, and I so, OK, to purgatory. Uh, I always feel like this time of year is like has this sort of waiting liminal state like you are you, it's not the new year yet but it's still not quite the old year like today I looked at the date and I was like oh it's the 23rd oh it's Christmas Eve Eve and like oh Christmas is like here it you know, but you never feel like Christmas is happening until you realize that it gets dark at 4 p.m. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I feel like this time of year always sorts, sort of has that like waiting feeling like when are things going to change? When are things going to get better? People are already talking about your New Year's resolution and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that... Um, this too shall pass and then we'll get to january and you'll start running or start exercising like everybody else and you know we'll before you know it we'll be in july and sweating our butts off so yeah and i you know i have this weird feeling that 2020 like the 20 the beginning of 2021 isn't gonna feel that different like mm -mm. I and and I think it may be maybe what will contribute and, and I don't know right I don't know I'm not gonna try to set my feelings you know in stone ahead of time right but I just had this sense now and maybe it's because you know I've got like the last two and a half weeks of, of the year off of work there's going to be a certain same, you know, sameness to my days mm -hmm. and, you know, the going back, the going back to work, it'll be that first Monday of January. And I don't know, it feels like it's not going to feel that different, which is what this letter was, <laughs> was about. Like, I want to try to capture, you know, um, <clears throat> 
you know, any kind of feeling of newness and freshness that I can. And I've got a lot of things I'm thinking about that I want to do. I was just going to ask, like, how are you going to do that? Yeah. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? You know, the mess, the kind of messages that I keep getting are just like this one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, this like the importance of incremental change. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that can also help the days feel a little less desperate. Right. (laughs) Pardon me when there's a lot going on or it feels like things aren't going to change. Just having those small goals. And I mean, I've heard it for years, but I feel like I'm not sure how, how good of a job I have, have done in executing that approach, but I feel that's what feels new for me is I feel like I am doing it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'm bound to get a different outcome on some things than what I have in the past. So I'm excited about that. So maybe that's, that would be my prescription for purgatory in Arkansas is <clears throat> focus on the things that you can control mm-hmm. and then break those things down into as many incremental you know, steps, you know, do, yeah. do, do a little something every day or every other day or more days of the week than not yeah. that is moving you toward what, what you want. So something that has come up in this writing fellowship that I was doing, but it also came up at another thing at work. And, um, I've heard it in a couple of different places recently, was have an accountability partner. So have people that, or one person or several people that you check in with on a goal. So if your goal is that you're finally going to finish that novel this year, who are you checking in with once a week to make sure that you've got a chapter done? Who, like, are you sending them the chapter so that they can see it? Or are you just like, yeah, sure, I did the thing. Um, I actually have an accountability group at work and we set goals just like for outside work stuff. They don't have anything to do with work, but like, okay, I'm going to journal this many days a week. I'm going to drink two liters of water this many days a week. I'm going to meditate this many. And so like all of my self-care goals and my um, goals that get me towards my long-term, um, big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, I check in with them once a week and say, this is where I am. This is how I did last week. And this is what I'm changing for next week. Um, and having an accountability partner who like, you know, if you want to start exercising, have them check in with you send you a text message every day. Did you exercise today? No. What are you going to do to exercise tomorrow? So. Right. I think that's great. I think that's great. And you know, there was one other thing that I had thought of and now I can't. Cause I talked over it. Yeah, <laughs> you big mouth. Cause it came up, it came about as a result of what you were, what you were saying. Um, oh, oh, I remember. Um, also like owning kind of where you are and, and being okay with where you are. Like, 
I had wanted to um, go for a walk with um, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got all this time off, and I just couldn't bear to have any plans. I just all of a sudden was like, I cannot bear to have an obligation right now, even though I know that I would enjoy spending time with this person. Uh-huh. And I just texted her and, t- and, you know, told her, I said, I am so sorry, but I, I just have realized that I don't want to make any plans. Like, I need the freedom to just not do anything if that's what I want to do. Yeah. And she was like, I get it. 100%. And, you know, to be able to say to her, I knew that you would. I knew that you mm-hmm. would understand. Um, it was, it, it felt good. It felt really good. God, that, that feels like such a big risk, though, sometimes when you're just like, it's not you, it's me, but I don't want to hang out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. good for you for doing that. Like, just saying, you know... I'm going to be honest here. I, I can't do it. And I think that um, that's becoming, well, I'm seeing it a lot more um, and I'm able to do it a lot more. Like I, I'm supposed to meet with this woman at 9 PM, like a zoom call with this woman at 9 PM last Friday. And I had already, like I was feeling ill and I had gone to bed at like 8.15, 8.30. And then I got the notification on my phone like, hey, remember, you have this call in a half an hour. And I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> it's not happening. And she's like, that's fine. Yeah, we'll talk at some other point. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and even you and I, when we've had to reschedule with one another, I mean, it seems like so often... When one person is like, oh, I can't do it, the other person is like, you know what? That works out really well for me, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know. And it kind of takes me back to them. Um, you may have even shared with this with me several years ago where it's like, <clears throat> don't say sorry, say thank you. Uh-huh. Like, like, turn it around and say, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for understanding. Right. You know, don't, don't, let's not... Put one another through the ringer. <laughs> so one of my reports at work the other day, we were talking and she's like, oh, I'm sorry for doing this thing. And I was like, don't say sorry, say thank you. And she's like, yeah, I get it. Like I, I hear what you're saying, but also that kind of makes me feel weird because I don't think that I should feel bad for having feelings. And I was like, oh man, you just blew up my world. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I think both things are good. Yep. Both of those responses are good. All of the above are true. Yes. Check. You only have to fill in one bubble because it represents all of the above. Yeah. little, do people even take tests that way anymore? I'm like showing my age. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only way to, um... Well, other than actually taking the test on a computer, it's the only way to quickly grade papers. Oof. I was always so jealous of math teachers because they always use Scantrons. I'm like, Ugh. 
Yeah, I have to read a billion essays. Um, well, final girl, how you feeling? Uh, feeling, feeling good. Feeling tired. Also feeling, hoping that we helped purgatory in Arkansas and that this, you know, I mean, I, that we, we assume that the people who, who write to us are horror fans or sci-fi right. or some, you know, thriller, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that this was a movie, um, that resonated, um, that resonated, um, for, for what the letter expressed. Yeah. And I think that, um, our frustration with the movie because we were texting back and forth like, oh, God, yeah. this is... I, uh, I think I said to you, like, I am so frustrated by this movie. <laughs> and then did. And then I was the same way. It's like, oh, man, you know, I'm just, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not settled. But I I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm changing my tune. I think maybe the familiarity of it, the, the story that we've heard before really works for this format. Yeah. Um, and then also there's just the, like, it's a psychological thriller. Uh, yeah. It's like a new psychological thriller, right? And so we're supposed to feel a particular way. And it does a good job of making us feel icky and frustrated. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though we talked about a lot of derivative aspects of it, I mean, there was enough unique and refreshing about this. It wasn't yet another superhero movie. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it wasn't yet another rom-com. It wasn't, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it did offer, I mean, to me, it's like if something is, something is, is, um, enough to really frustrate you and you keep being frustrated. And I think that's a sign of, of, ultimately a good film i mean it wasn't like you just watched it like consumed it like a bag of potato chips and then you know went back away you know so yeah it's meant to stick with you yeah well uh so for all of you folks out there listening if you've made it this far um please give us a like a subscribe, email us your letters at dearfinalgirl at gmail.com or DM us at final or final dear uh, on Twitter and um, stay yeah, safe, let, everyone. Yeah, stay safe, let's stay connected and let's watch some great horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror, but that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to pr promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273- 8255. There's an online chat and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. 
Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.